In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Had there been newspapers in Bible days, the headline the next day might have read, Jesus ruins another funeral. Yesterday's function was hopelessly derailed when Jesus showed up uninvited and canceled the ceremony. Even though the whole town had come out to bury the young man, their efforts were unsuccessful. The burial was a failure, the funeral home didn't get paid, and the headstone, which had been engraved with the date of the man's death, is now worthless. Be warned, Jesus is not to attend any future social functions. Well, okay, he's pretty good to have around at a wedding if you run out of wine, but a funeral? Forget about it. If Jesus shows up, it's over. I'm being a bit humorous here, though there is nothing humorous about a funeral. Even when someone dies peacefully at the age of 100, it's still profoundly sad. But this case in our reading today is sadder still. Within our broken world, we expect, nevertheless, to find a certain natural order with regard to death. A son should be the one to bury his mother. But not only is this mother burying her son, she is burying the only son she ever had. And what's more, this is not her first funeral procession. She is a widow. This is the second time they've carried out a dead man for her. But last time, she still had one comfort left, her son. Now he is being carried out. Her last consolation, and since he had grown up, her only supporter and provider. No wonder a considerable crowd from the city went out with her to the burial. They must have felt sorry for her. But after the funeral service, they would all go back to their families, their homes, their livelihoods, and she would go home to nothing. There were no food stamps in Bible days, no social programs, no government welfare. For an elderly widow with no husband and no sons, there was only the expectation of starvation and death. That was the future she had to look forward to. Our text begins with a funeral procession. The poor woman is headed to the cemetery to bury her son, accompanied by a great crowd. This is the procession of death. And every person born in Adam is a member of this crowd. You joined this procession when you were born. And every day of your life, is but a slow and relentless march to the grave. You can't avoid it. You can't stop it. Today we might be burying someone else, but sooner or later they will carry you out. Apart from Christ, death reigns over all. That was the future we all had to look forward to. But on this day, 
as the unstoppable procession of death heads off with its latest victim, it comes to a sudden halt. You know the old question, what happens when an immovable object encounters an unstoppable force? I suppose if you want an answer to that question, you could ask death. It knows what happened when it encountered Jesus. The crowd of death that is headed out of the city collides with another crowd. This one, a throng of disciples and believers who are following Jesus. And this is the procession of life. In the ancient Easter sequence, Christians to the Paschal victim, we sing of this collision. Death and life have contended in that combat stupendous. The prince of life who died reigns immortal. Jesus ruins another funeral. Now, I've attended a lot of funerals, and I have spoken to many sorrowing relatives. But there is one thing I have never dared to say to a grieving mother. Stop crying. Can you imagine that? Jesus encounters a funeral procession. A woman he probably has never seen before is sobbing at the loss of her only son. And she's a widow. Jesus walks up to her and says, stop it. No wonder the pallbearers stood still. They must have been flabbergasted. Jesus perhaps needs a lesson in how to behave at a funeral. You just don't say that. But Jesus does. And then Jesus does something that nobody else would ever do. Jesus reaches out and touches the casket. He touches the dead man. We probably don't understand the significance of this because we're not Jews living under the ritual cleanliness laws of the Old Testament. But everyone in the crowd knew. You don't touch a dead body. Not voluntarily. The pallbearers had no choice. It was part of their job, and they knew that they would be ritually unclean for seven days. In our day, this would be similar to being exposed to COVID and then having to quarantine for a week or two. Death was contagious. In order to become clean, they had to undergo a complicated process of purification. And anyone who failed to follow the proper steps was excommunicated. Why? To keep death from spreading through the community. When we touch sickness and death, we get infected. That's just how the world works. But it's not how Jesus works. We are afraid of death, but he isn't. We are concerned with contamination, but not Jesus. Instead, he does the unthinkable. After saying to the mother, stop crying, he reaches out, grabs hold of death and says, young man, I say to you, arise. Now, if you or I were to try these words, nothing would happen. That's why we don't tell grieving mothers to stop crying. But Jesus says, 
I say to you. When the Lord of life speaks, well, that's different. When the one who let death swallow him up in order to swallow death forever speaks, then the grave itself must give up its prey. When Jesus attends a funeral, he always ruins it, even when it's his own funeral. And so what happened that day to that sad procession of death? Two groups collided outside the city, and then there was only one. The funeral procession was abandoned, and its members were surprised to find themselves headed in a new direction. That young man being carried out, by the way, was you. As a sinner under the condemnation of death, you were headed toward a dark and certain future. The soul that sins must die. That was the future you had to look forward to until you collided with Jesus. And when was this? It happened to you on the day of your baptism. You were on the road to eternal death, and then Jesus interrupted the mournful procession. But you know what? Jesus isn't done. Your baptism is only the down payment of what he's promised to still do for you. Jesus wants to give you more than he gave that young man 2,000 years ago. We could ask, where is that young man today? Well, he's not young, that's for sure. At some point, he got old and he died again, hopefully long after his mother this time around, and they carried him out again, and this time they did put him in the ground. When Jesus raised the widow's son, he wasn't giving him eternal life, not yet. He merely pushed back the day of his death, because at that time, Jesus had not yet conquered death on the cross. But he was headed that direction. That's where his procession was going, to Calvary for that very purpose. Jesus is not really interested in promising you a few more years before you die. Instead, he promises you He who believes in me, after he dies, then he will live. That is a far better future. Yes, the day will come when they carry you out. They'll put you in the ground. The funeral home director will get paid. People will cry. And then everyone will go eat potato salad and say, the funeral was a success. We laid her to rest, and now it's over. Death has claimed another victim. But Jesus says, not so. Death, remove your hands. This one belongs to me. Stop weeping, everyone, because this funeral's over. And then he'll reach out and take you by the hand, saying, young man, Young woman, I say to you, arise.
And then you will join the joyous throng of believers as we follow Jesus through the gates of the city into life eternal. In the name of Jesus, amen.